0: thanks for joining me today. Um, yeah, so just to tell you a little bit more about the thing we're doing or the thing I'm doing with Noble, mm. essentially, I've been working with them for the past few months, um writing articles that are you know that look into issues within the gaming industry and that kind of mm-hmm. thing, but from an academic standpoint, so you know, interviewing people, essentially writing like academic articles that are just a little bit more.
1: Ooh, accessible what's, for people. what's the abstract that you're adding under for this
0: um i don't have a specific one because i want to look into like <coughs> multiple you know issues that exist in the industry so i'm not like specifically okay. focusing on one thing it's just general what's going on in south africa maybe mm. you know even in the in, in the world and that <laughs> kind of thing um because yeah i did i did i did um my master's on video gaming and one thing that i noticed was like it's really really inaccessible to people who don't aren't actually able to go to university or don't want to go to university it's just because of the language and i felt that that was quite unfair <laughs> so mm. i'm kind of just trying to you know bridge that gap a little bit and then oh,
1: even prior university right um depending on your socioeconomic status or not even just on that like just depending on pure luck you might not even experience university by the time you're in your late teens early 20s might be the first time you experience gaming which especially in the esports context uh, relative to your competition they'll have spent at that point a decade or so already embroiled in the aspect of things so you're already starting from a massive disadvantage if we're just talking about pure esports even like just outside of gaming
0: exactly yeah so yeah that's kind of what i've been doing with nibble and what we want to start is like what um ruth and, and glenn have been calling nibble voices so mm-hmm. essentially we chat to people like you and you know it's actually I'm, I, like i'm recording this and it's you know going to be put together for people like in a video for people to actually watch alongside the articles as well um okay. so that's essentially what we're doing here um I don't have a set topic today, we're just going to chat, it's going to be a lot like very much up to you depending on what, obviously I do have questions for you, so don't worry, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's very much going to be about what your place is in the esports industry and what you specifically have seen, you know, as a person who exists with it, within it, um, what issues you see and what you think needs to be addressed, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my first question for you, as it just needs to be, is if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got into gaming, and what you're currently doing at the moment.
1: Okay. Um, so, I'm Sean Snares. a lot of people know me as. Um, I've been in gaming in some capacity since I was a kid. Um, I initially, the first time I started playing games was like random TV games at some... Relative's house, but there was an arcade that I used to live by, I used to spend way too much money and way too much time there. Uh, just playing games was a very good time. Um, but obviously, that's not like fully gaming, that's just as a hobby type of situation. I sort of lucked into gaming, really. Um, the exact moment I can actually tell you where I became somewhat interested in this as a professional career yeah. was when there was a tournament I was at, it was a Mortal Kombat tournament, and those are some friends of mine, and they didn't play Mortal Kombat so but they were fighting game players so they understood the lingo of fighting games so I trying to explain to them what was happening like in the tournament itself and then this was at the time when you all had to pay entrance fees to get into tournaments and the tournament organizer comes to me it wasn't like some dive bar really looking at where esports is right now people be like wow okay that's uh, not where it's supposed to be at but we're in this random bar this guy comes to me he's like all right man listen let's make a deal if you're willing to just have the conversation you were having with your friends, but on the mic. Um, Then I'll waive your entrance fees going forward. And, you know, uh, he did throw in a couple of years to sweeten the pot, which I think that's what swayed me the most. But yeah, from there, I was just like, okay, this can be kind of cool spending time on the mic. And then I just kept getting lucky. People just kept wanting to hear me talk about games. Um, There was some time where obviously you have to like grind it out, spend a lot of time streaming, a lot of time glad handing, just showing up at events thinking through the games talking about them in some capacity but um i do think that the primary aspect of all of this is just incredible amounts of luck and i've just kept lucking out and now i get to as a full-time career just talk about video games whether it be through commentary whether it be uh hosting events whether it be on videos whether it be on shows just yeah now my life is gaming and esports this is the best thing ever
0: that's awesome! Like that's so incredible. Um. So yeah, just on on brand with that. Um. What? What kind of challenges have you found? Um. And I'm sure this question Oof. has been asked you before. But specifically, what kind of challenges have you experienced um, branding yourself specifically as a person of color in esports?
1: Um. It's almost impossible because you have the cash twenty two of. If you make it very apparent that hey i am the for example my primary game is dota 2 um if i'm doing fgc or if i'm doing fifa whatever fortunately those roms are very wholly populated with people of color for the most part um especially especially in africa but even in the international scene like a lot of the best players a lot of the best commentators a lot of the best hosts most of them are people of color for fighting games and fifa in particular but the reason for that is, you know, you're doing the research, so it's it's fairly obvious, right? Those games are much more accessible um, than the PC market. Yeah. And unfortunately for me, the games that I find most intriguing exist within the PC market. And the Catch-22 that I found is that if you're existing in the PC market, you're primarily existing in a white and male-dominated space. White, No, not just males, but straight males, right? A very particular form of straight male. Yes. And um, I'm not that... I'm not a white guy at all. You know, it's, it's very apparent you just look at me that I'm very different. But it's a lot easier if I don't mention or acknowledge the fact that I'm different for some reason. The moment you do, people are like, oh, homie only trying to get on on the basis of his skin color, on the basis of his ethnicity, on the basis of his country of origin, on the basis of his socioeconomics. Um, and you're like, well, no, I'm, I'm pretty good outside of that. It just so happens that these are relevant attributes of my biography. But acknowledging those attributes of your biography make it harder to stand within that biography. However, not doing so is also detrimental because, for example, in my context, I'm the only one. In a lot of the esports I did for, well, well, there's more people coming in after me, but for the longest time, it was basically me and Glenn, right? Uh, You work with Glenn. So, you know, there was literally just me and him in terms of people of color in this country. And then you had guys eventually start coming on like... um, like Tulani, Lighters, you know, he started getting put on. Nowadays, we have the Young Guns, your tendozes, your Naledis, or Androbin that's in this context, um, your Rushkas, um, your skarras they're getting their traction now, but when I first came into it, there was, was, was no other, it was like, you can't acknowledge the fact that you're the one black guy here, because if you do so, that will inhibit other black people after you coming in, but then how do you, how do you open up those pathways without acknowledging that that's what you're explicitly doing. It was was a huge mental burden uh, to try and deal with this. If I'm honest, I still haven't gotten to the place where it's easier now than it used to be, but it's primarily easier not because... It's either for two things. Primarily because the landscape has changed. Obviously, there's more people around. um, So you can... You don't have to necessarily draw comparisons all by yourself. But also, I got older and I stopped giving a fuck. So just like, whatever. So... This. we're just gonna announce ourselves in a certain way. Who cares? If y'all vibe with it, great. If y'all don't wanna vibe with it, I don't really care. Any- I don't really care anymore. Um, we're here now, and why you, once you're here, you have particular responsibilities—not just to yourself, but to everybody else that would not enter into the space if somebody like you didn't exist. Um, throughout this year, for example, I've been traveling a lot, and many, 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 many times I've come across other people of color who are like, "Yo." just just you doing you keeps me engaged and interested in this thing. it makes me want to be involved further, it gives me emphasis to have other people get involved. It gives me a reason to care in a way that it wouldn't otherwise. and it's weird thinking through the fact that like I don't just get to exist in this space, I also have to carry that additional responsibility that my my existence and success here predicates other people's success down the stretch so um. The short answer to your question is I don't fucking know, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. It's definitely complicated.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the first the first thing that I kind of thought of as you were talking is it must be exhausting to just you know you're you're just existing as a person who is passionate about this, and suddenly you have this responsibility um, mm. to you know be a representative, is essentially of your race. What, what, and, and, you know, that's, that is, you know, really unfair, obviously. But at the same time, like, what does that do to your own concept of, like, your identity within the gaming space? Like, how does that affect you?
1: Um, it makes me have to be a lot more responsible than I otherwise would be um, in terms of how I engage the public space. Um, because I know that any critique or criticism, or blowback or impugn that I draw is not simply going to be linked to me as an individual. Um, it's going to have residual impacts on everybody else on the line. So that colors the experience quite a lot, makes it very difficult. Um, it also means that there's a, an unfortunate level of engagement that I just can't have with like some of the, especially the white men, but just white folk in general in the space. Yeah. There's certain conversations I just physically can't have, right? Where, If I have a conversation with you, even if you're able to empathize, there's a level of acknowledgement is the wrong word, but there's a level of, a level of engagement that is just not going to be possible for you, lacking the experience of having to be that representative voice, having to be beyond reproach, not just for your own personal brand, but for the brand of everybody that looks, speaks, acts, sounds or in any way reminds others of you in terms of how different they are down the stretch. Um, And it does create a, what's the word? It does create a level of, um, there's a perpetual barrier between myself and the community I engage in because outside of like some rarefied few folk, there's just, it's literally impossible to communicate on even terms. We can be talking about the same event even, and this has happened to me so many times where something that happened at the same event or involving the same people or involving the same situation we were all there for but we'll have radically different not necessarily recollections but interpretations of the events that went down um so that changes your communication with your supposed colleagues there's a degree of honesty you're not afforded anymore because there's a non-zero chance that somebody you're really cool with is really cool with somebody else, and that person has said some outlandishly racist things to you or about you that you know about, and it, it, it just complicates life. Um, and overall, it just makes it that like there's armor you have to put around your psyche. And as a result, I'm if, if you look the world over, of all the people of color that are very involved in esports, there are very few of them that are what's the word that I want to use. Very few people of color have heated gamer moments, you know, yes. where they really let off, tell people exactly how the fuck they're thinking right now, what they feel about the entire situation because they know that that's genuinely untenable. It's not possible for you to do. And it's not like, I've, I've heard some of the heated gamer moments behind closed doors when the mics are off, cameras are down, no lights are on us. And um, that's just reality of the reality situation. So I think that's the, the biggest impact I felt it has on me is that like, there's a a degree of honesty I'm not afforded in the landscape uh, because of the unique features of my biography.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Um, well, I mean, uh, yeah, as you said, like there are, especially like specifically as a person of color, I can't really speak towards that. But, you know, I can empathize a little as a woman, I suppose. Um, it is just kind of very difficult to navigate that space and um just you know the next question kind of touches on that is how did you manage to build such a successful casting career around these challenges because i mean with with the the really really impressive things that you have done to be quite honest (laughs) you know you're very very you're very big in south africa and you're very big in like you know the dota community and that kind of thing so how did you do that for yourself and manage to have this, you know, well, fuck it, attitude and, you know, still keeping up your success? Like, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to do the same thing?
1: Trying to do the same thing? Please don't do the same thing I did. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I went through this shit so that it's easier for y'all behind me. Please do not. By any do not emulate my example. My example is terrible. Look, my example requires you to have some degree of psychopathy in your psychology because there's no rational way to have gotten through all of this um if like i I was mentioning earlier that getting to where i'm at was primarily luck the amount of the amount of people that i've reasonably pissed off the amount of people that i've gone after for you know not doing the things transformatively in the space that i wanted the amount of trash that i've spoken there's no reason why any of these people should be hiring me like it's, and when I say it's luck, obviously people can argue, well, they keep hiring you because you're really good at what you do. I didn't choose to be born with a preternatural ability to speak at length. I didn't choose to be born with the voice I'm born with. I didn't choose my sense of humor. I didn't choose any. The only thing I chose is where to apply these efforts. But the qualities that can make me successful, I didn't choose any of those things. I just happened to get very, very lucky. But The thing is, one of the reasons why I kept endeavoring in the space and kept telling and kept fighting with people is because I would see people who I know aren't necessarily that good on a quality level, but they aren't inhibited by all the external factors of life that would discourage them from trying to pursue something they think is cool. Yeah. So in my estimation, it was like, well. Why is it the case that, for example, somebody, there's people like me who have to take on additional jobs, have to buy LTE data, or have to do like dumb things just to be able to have a shot at doing this just for fun, for memes, for enjoyment, whereas other people can simply walk into an occupation they think is of their dreams. That that scenario and situation doesn't seem fair to me. And nonetheless, you know, you'd argue about this, you'd fight those people about this, and the situation is still heavily tilted Against people that are gonna look and sound like me. But I got lucky, super lucky. Um, the only thing that I feel I've done is make it, it, it hopefully it's easier for the next person so they can just point to me and say, Hey, you see that guy, that guy could make it. I'm I might not maybe if I'm not even as good as him. At least I'm less abrasive than he is. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> work with me. And people will be like, you know what? All right, fine, cool, we can do that thing. Um Honestly, for the longest time, I think. I'm not sure if I would have gotten as far as I've gotten if, if there were other people before me. I think there was also a huge degree of arrogance early on about being the first X to do this thing, you know? I want to yeah. be the first South African, the first black person, um, the first guy with dreads doing X, Y, and Z. I mean, there's a reason. I'm involved in, like, FIFA and FGC stuff, but internally there's probably a good reason why I didn't spend as much time delving fully deep into it. I'm like, oh, the other homies got this covered. You know, it's fine. The homies I hang with all the time—he's gonna be the one doing this event. It's, it's all good. Um, it happens all the time to me where somebody will be like, "Hey, are you available for this FIFA, this Tekken, the Street Fighter event?" No, I'm not. But here's a homie I trust. Go holla at this guy. Everything's Gucci. There will be there'll be no problem. I'm not afforded that luxury in in Dota and Chess. Um, I don't do as many shooting games anymore. But like, not, uh, thankfully in Apex and Valve, people are holding it down locally. But CS still has this major problem. Yeah. Uh, and there's definitely a huge amount of arrogance on my part to say, "Hey, I'm gonna be the first person to do this thing. I'm gonna open the door, make it, make people aware, and put them on notice that it's possible for folk like me to do this." Yeah. So I guess if you were insane enough to follow my example, find an avenue where you know people like you aren't welcome, and then make make us welcome, whether they like it or not. I guess that's. <laughs> the only way I can say.
0: Pure attrition.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, fair enough. And then you know, speaking speaking to you know certain communities that are worse than others. You've obviously you you know you just came back from working internationally, so you have that you have both the experience of working in South Africa and in other countries. Mm. Would you say? Um, let me try. Like, I I don't want to phrase this question that it sounds like silly, but I think you'll understand what I'm trying to get at. Like, would you say that racism? in the gaming industry is worse here or worse overseas? Is it more covered, you know, by a facade overseas at least or whatever the case is? Because people in South Africa tend to be quite open with their racism. (laughs) Um, So yeah, what is is your experience been locally versus internationally in terms of that? And why do you think so, if there is a difference?
1: It's... The thing that's different about it is that like, um, unfortunately every corner of this earth has a unique brand of anti-black racism. So I've had had to draw some distinctions and be like, Oh, that's how I experienced it here. That's how I experienced it there. Um, In South Africa, like you say, we're just, actually South Africa sucks because, you know, you're saying we're more upfront about dealing with and confronting our racism now, but in large measure, honestly, it's because of people like me and Glenn for years Literally years. It was me and him fighting against racism in this country. Yeah. Um, the coterie expanded as time went on. You know, more people got added into it. People became aware of the conversations. But now, obviously, like you mentioned, earlier, I'm a, I'm a bit bigger in our local, in our little pond here. So I'm a bit I'm a bit too big to fail. But back then, I've lost a lot of gigs and a lot of money. Explicitly being told, "Hey, this is primarily connected to." Um, how you tackle and fight people about racism online. Uh, there was a team actually, and we're actually getting pretty good when I was still playing professionally in Dota. And we fell apart um, over a conversation about racism because it wasn't even the deepest thing. Like most of the team was Afrikaans. And one day we had a very difficult loss. And I'm the only person on the team that speaks more than two languages. Everybody else is bilingual. So, and we're trying to like discuss this loss, dissect it, but we're all very upset because it, it was a tough, tough loss. So I said at some point, hey, guys, for everybody in this chat, English is their third language. For me, it's like my fourth or whatever. Yeah. Let's, for the sake of being able to communicate in an effective fashion, let's all just speak English, right? I can understand Afrikaans, mm-hmm. but Afrikaans is even further down the stack for me. So, yeah. you know, let's just make life easier. And there was somebody in the team, our captain at the time, who had been uh, holding in opinions and holding in how he's felt about me arguing with other people about racism online. And he felt, you know, that was the appropriate forum obviously i was younger and less tactful at the time so things blew up in a very bad fashion the team dissolves um like i said there's been gigs i've lost out on there have been gigs i've been accepted for they're like hey we're doing this thing and then they come back a few days later sorry mate you know you've talked some shit here i don't know if it's going to be good for all of our brands to be associated with you right now um so in south africa it's only good now but let's just say there's a reason i don't do as much south african work as i used to because i na- i noticed the duplicitous nature of um we're anti-racist under fair weather conditions where people are willing to go along with the status quo which is still in every sphere and every aspect of south african society heavily tilted against black folk um we're willing to go along with this shit we're not going to rock any boats the issue isn't do you have something substantively correct to say it's You're creating problems for us, bro. Just come on, just just calm down. Um, But like I said, things are better now, but I've lost too much. I've got too much skin in the game for in South Africa to put it, to not still put it number one in terms of like the the racist output. It just so happens that like, I know my enemy better. um, So I'm better able to combat it in this context. When it comes to the international setting, It's weird. It, d- it depends on, like, how I'm experiencing things. If I'm experiencing things via texts, when people are talking in chat, people are sending me DMs, whatever the case might be, or people are like, um, there's some thread about, like, me or whatever, and people are talking there, that's when I'll see some of the most outlandish racism. But not even that bad. Like, it'll just be, oh, hey, what's LeBron doing talking about Dota? Oh, I didn't know the Bob Marley was out here revived to do esports. Shit like this. It's like, Dumb racism, whatever. Who cares? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then in person, it ends up being the exoticized racism, where it's like, "Oh, you're you're so fascinating. Oh, this is this is great. You know, where are you from? <laughs> What's up with you? Can we touch your hair? Oh, you know, you have such a cool accent. What languages oh, do you speak? No. Oh, that's such a that's such a nice way you say this thing. Kind of situation. Um, and then there were sometimes, like in Europe, there were once or twice where just like, "Oh, this is just normal, bland day to day." um i'm basically an orania type of racism Uh, and i was like cool whatever (laughs) (laughs) but that was comforting because like at least you're out here you're like chest out you're not fucking with me you know i'm under no illusions about what you think everything is
0: yeah well yeah (laughs) i suppose in the in the in in, you know the cards that you can be dealt at the moment um all right uh so i'm not phrasing this next question as like It is your responsibility to know this but just as someone who has had a lot of exposure to you know this kind of behavior specifically in south africa what do you think needs to change um outside of you know people like you and glenn having to fight for years for it to change um i'm sorry if i misspoke earlier what i actually meant is like you know people in south africa are still pretty bad with with their racism like their racism is out there they're not like really hiding it, is what I meant. instead to be of- fair, it's
1: appreciated. It's easier to deal with. I don't have to convince somebody. If I can just, I saw somebody, hey, look at this person said, it's not going to be a fight of, well, did they have decent intentions? Well, maybe they just phrase it poorly because they're from a country with so few Black people, they don't know about it. It's honestly, the SA racism, I find very refreshing to deal with because it's direct. I can deal with it. Well, it's, it's heads up. Um, I don't have to spend okay. any time wondering in uncertainty about the intent of the opposing partner in that particular interaction
0: yeah okay fair enough um but in the case where we could have everything that we would like it like it which is you know not having to deal with racism at all um or at least you know just kind of tone it down (laughs) to a point where you don't have to worry about the color of your skin in terms of getting jobs and how you're treated What do you think needs to change fundamentally in the gaming industry for people to actually, you know, stop that kind of behavior? Like, what do you think needs to, like, how how should we progress from this point?
1: Personally, I don't even think it's like that necessarily complicated of a question. It's just simply a nature of, or a matter of, the key to the kingdom changing, right? So, regrettably, we've all grown up we're all South African, right? If you grew up in South Africa and you were born prior, I don't know, 2012, you grew up in an aura and a society surrounded by the ambience of white supremacy. There's not a single person in South Africa who will ever, for whatever reason, think a white person is incompetent, right? It's just off bat. Uh, they don't need to be given reason for that to happen, whereas... In the opposite scenario, if you're a person of color, you need to prove excellence first and foremost um, before competence can be granted. As a result, that means that even companies that are in South Africa, even companies that have tried to go out of the way to transform, even companies that started as being wholly black entities where they go above and beyond the call of duty to only try and hire people of color, only try to hire black people, even for them, they hire a lot of white folk and there's never a question of competency when they do so. It's never a question of, Um, this is a token hire. It's never a question of, hey, I'm doing a buddy a favor. It's never a question of, I'm only doing this for the sake of quote unquote transformation. The implicit understanding from everybody involved, you know, I mean, a a good example would be when the EFF shows up to court with a white lawyer, right? People don't deride the EFF for saying, hey, you're hiring somebody incompetent because you want to fulfill quotas. They're just like, oh, when push comes to shove, even the EFF is hiring white guys, we all get it. We understand. Uh, you know, yeah. competency is assumed in that regard. So the easiest way to get any degree of transformation in this country, because that's effective what like we're talking about, and yeah. it's gonna take a while. But if the keys to the kingdom for let's say, I don't know, um, not to say anything negative about like a bravado or an ATK, these are the I know these people, you know. Uh You know, Warren's the homie, Timmy's the homie. People are cool. I like the folk.
0: Yeah.
1: But if all the top orgs in the country are owned by black folk instead of by white people, I do not see a situation where the degree of white involvement in those industries decreases, given the dynamics that happen elsewhere in the economy. All that will happen is that people have better reason to just hire other people that don't look like them. Yeah. Um, a very good example of this, actually, of how this can, this could still happen even under the auspices of a, a more white-owned organization. Um, ACGL have – shout out to Nick, actually. Nick Holden has legitimately gone out of his way to not just hire people of color, but give those people of color latitude to hire other people without his direct involvement to say, hey, you're in charge of getting these people, find them, Come, come to me, give me the list. I'll say Gucci. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. And there's a reason that like outside of what what we did with DNMK, outside of like Nibble, there's a reason that like of the well-known esports slash TO organizations, ACGL tends to employ the most amount of people of color. Um, it's not just because Nick Holden has a good idea in his mind about transformation, which he does, but he recognizes the limits of his own understanding of this give the keys to the kingdom to somebody else, that person will make the change happen and it's not going to implicate the, like white people are still going to be fine effectively. Yeah. If that were to happen in a more whole scale example across the industry, it's going to take a while, but the more and more that starts to happen, the more you actually get the legitimate change because, you know, it's one thing, if we're all stewing in a, in a soup of white supremacy, okay, cool, that's just, we have to deal with that, fine if we give the keys to the kingdom to the white guy, he not, not only has to deal with the white supremacy, but also the anti-blackness that comes with it for him as a white man. If he's a black dude, you know, he's gonna look in the mirror and be like, ah, bro, maybe maybe tone down the anti-blackness. You know, you, you, you don't need that shit. It's okay, it's actually fine. Uh, can't do anything about the white supremacy, so I'm still gonna be hiring white people, promoting them, putting them in good positions of power. But I also recognize anti-blackness is bullshit. So there's ways I can go about ameliorating that situation without necessarily making it, uh, without people in the scene feeling like Julius Malema's coming after them in esports or some shit.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I totally agree. Like, as someone who was born before 2012, as you put it, you know, there are a lot of things. And I, came, I come from a, a small town in the Western Cape. Mm. I had to unlearn so many bad behaviors. Um, and obviously, you know, university helped me with that. And when I was in high school, I was like, no, 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 I'm not racist, you know, I don't, like, whatever. But I had some, like, really problematic thoughts that came from the, you know, people that I grew up around and my Mm. family and that kind of thing, because, you know, I am white. So it was, you know, I had to unlearn all of those processes and understand, like, where that came from. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, this idea that, you know, black people need to prove that they're good at something before that's assumed i mean that is still extremely true to this day um so yeah sorry that was just my own little anecdote to agree with you (laughs) Mm. um yeah cool so i have one more question for you that ruth asked me to ask you actually (laughs) um so if you had a magic wand And you could get rid of one harmful behavior that you see when you're gaming what would it be
1: when i'm gaming yeah that's an awful question because i often engage in harmful behavior while i'm gaming as well my god (laughs) (laughs) don't we
0: all but like (laughs) yeah
1: let me think let me think one harmful behavior i must take away from gaming in general
0: it's a big question, I don't know. I had to think about it a lot as well.
1: I guess, wait kind of just hmm, it's complicated because obviously we want to get rid of all the bigotry, right? But then bigotry is a subset of the toxicity that emerges from gaming. But I can't just say toxicity because there are some positive aspects, I think, of toxic gaming behavior that like, for example, I'll give you a a good example of like, one of the things that genuinely made me a much better Dota player. I remember years back in the day, I used to play, there was some land cafe near university. Uh, This is before I had a PC and stuff and I had internet. So the only place I could actually play Dota. And I was there, I'm gaming. And there was one guy who was sort of like, I'd play with him, he sort of showed me the ropes or whatever. And one day he wasn't playing, he was just watching me play. And he's like, Bro, what are you doing? I'm like, What do you mean? He's like, The way you pan your camera, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, what, what do you mean, dog? Like, this is how I pan my camera. So it's comfortable for me. What the fuck are you talking about? And then he says to me in the most toxic fashion ever, and he's like, Bro, you can either get better or you can use a camera like this. There's no in between. And he walked away. That's a really toxic thing to say to somebody, <laughs> right? So what harsh. the fuck? That's so harsh. But he was correct. I needed to do this thing. If I didn't, if I didn't change how I pan my camera, I would be a much worse player than I am now. And some of the best advice I've received in games have come from the most toxic situations. Like another example is this one guy telling me there's a tournament that I lost. I came third and I played the winner first for 10. And he was confused. Like after after he beat me in the upper bracket final, it like, something's weird. So he comes to me after the tournament, he's like, bro, let's play a game. Something felt off. We play, we play, we play, we play, we play, we play, we play. And I'm lashing him. And he's like, oh, I see. He's like, bro, you just don't have like good mental. If you had better mental, you'd be unbeatable. What's your problem, bro? And that's so toxic. But he was right. It helped, <laughs> Made a huge difference as to how I play games in general. You'd be like, oh, when I'm feeling myself tilting a bit, I'm like, think back to what that guy said and just be confident your own abilities. So I don't want to remove all toxicity because it can help. So I guess I'll go with the easy answer and say bigotry. Because if we took out bigotry in gaming, there would just be a lot more gamers, a lot more people with better reasons to try. Because I can deal with toxic behavior about why I'm individually shit and I need to get good. But it it stings a lot more when it's about immutable characteristics. So let's just take out uh, bigotry against immutable characteristics, leave the toxicity against trash players, and I'm okay with that.
0: Okay, cool. I mean, that's a pretty good answer. I like that. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Cool. So, yeah, just um, that was the last official question. But just from my side, you know, as someone who, as we've established, is, you know, quite successful in what you have achieved and obviously has a lot of opinions and you know understanding of the kind of environment that you're in. Mm. Do you have any last thoughts or last words that you would like to share about your experiences and you know, how you would like to see the gaming industry change for a positive in a positive way?
1: Um Thankfully a lot of the changes are happening in a positive direction, at least in South Africa. The rest of the world is still in a bit of a weird place. I would say that like the biggest thing I've actually learned from this gaming journey and the things that I've been through is sometimes roll the dice on yourself. Um, Take that gamble and say, I'm going to back myself. You're you're going to fuck it up, guaranteed. You're going to do something so irresponsibly stupid. You can't believe how dumb you were to engage (laughs) in that sort of behavior but if you're willing to roll the dice on yourself, you know, every now and then you come up uh you come up with the sevens, you know? And then and then things happen in a fashion that you could never have imagined possible. But that can't really happen until you're willing to take the pl- the plunge, take the dive. If you jump in the pool, sometimes you'll find concrete at the bottom. Sometimes it's a it's it's a pool of ambrosia, but you'll never be able to find out until you actually take the plunge. So Sometimes take that plunge, disappoint your parents, make enemies out of your family, uh, have your partner yell at you about how dumb you're being right now, have your work being like, yo, this is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> but ultimately, you'll, if you don't do that, you'll never know what could actually happen and transpire on the other side.
0: Yeah. Awesome.